Hello and welcome to the Magical Midlife Podcast, where you get a refreshing, uplifting and optimistic perspective on life in your 40s and 50s. I'm your host, Lindsay DeSwart, and I'm delighted that you've joined us here today. So let's jump right in. Hey, welcome to the show today. Today's guest, I'm delighted to welcome Eleni Capitanios with us, who is a rapid relief coach. I actually heard Eleni's podcast and I was intrigued by what she was saying because she explained healing from anxiety and trauma so well and made it so simple. So I contacted Eleni and we've actually been working together to experience each other's um, healing techniques and also for her to be a guest on the podcast for her to tell you more about it. So it's a really interesting episode. I think you're going to love it. And she's just a sweetheart. So enjoy the show. So good morning. And hey, Alini, how are you today? I'm doing great. I'm really excited to chat with you. Oh, I'm so excited to have you here. Well, thank you for coming on to the, midlife, the Magical Midlife. What I would love to share with the audience, because I have been fascinated by the work that we've done together, but also all the stuff that I've seen that you've been doing so I would love it if you would share a little bit about yourself with the audience, and then I'm going to talk about more about the magical work that you now do. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. So, yes, so I am a rapid relief coach. I'm a mom. I have a 14-year-old son, and I've been married to my husband for 13 years, I guess, which seems crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're all putting up with each other, keeping my son alive for the past 14 years. Awesome. Mission accomplished. (laughs) Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) I'm done now. Um, And I have been coaching for the past six years, full-time practice. And before that, I was a personal trainer. I guess we'll get into that a little bit. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I made that transition um, over a period of time, you know, through my own healing and what I was doing just kind of stopped doing it for me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And um, I moved into coaching. Fantastic. Okay. So I want to dig into that a little bit because we all, I find that most of the people who are working in healing space now, or who are actually have stepped into more of who they are, they didn't do it by accident. It's because mm-hmm. something in life sort of pushed us over the edge or pushed us out of our comfort zone of what was, you know, well and truly accepted and normal life. And then here we are today. <laughs> right. Yeah, so yeah. let's wind it back a little bit and tell me now, have you always lived in Canada? Because you have got Greek heritage, haven't you? I do have Greek heritage. So my Mum is of Greek background, and she went to Greece in her early 20s to meet family and travel around and met my father, and they fell in love right away and got married there. Um, But he passed away when I was one in a car accident. So she was 26 and a widow with a baby. Wow. (laughs) And yes, and then um, she got into the master's program. So we were living in New York State at that time. And the plan was to go back to Greece, right? And uh, that didn't happen. So she got into the master's program at Western in London, Ontario. And we moved to London when I was about five. And then she met 
my stepfather soon after that. So oh, wow, yeah, cool. so I've been living in Canada for a long time, but I'm actually secretly a U.S. citizen. Don't tell anybody. Okay, <laughs> keep it under your hat. <laughs> well, well, excellent. And so what did you start out doing when you started, you know, your working life, your grown up adult life? What did you start doing? Um, did I start that already? Um, I was a high school teacher. Um, so I went through a lot of, I have three university degrees, one of them is a Bachelor of Education. And so I uh, got my teaching certificate and I thought I wanted to be a teacher and I did it for two years and I thought, this sucks. I do not like this. I felt like I, w- I just felt like I wasn't being my authentic self. Huh. Um, I had to enforce rules that I didn't really care about and get yelled at by kids. And it, I don't know, I just didn't love it like mm. I thought I would love it. And so then I took a year off, I took a leave and I moved to Mexico for a year and came home and I'd always been into fitness. So I taught aerobics, you know, back in the day. Um, And uh, I thought, you know what, I would really love to do is to get back into that. So I got my personal training certification. I might've actually had it before I moved to Mexico. I don't remember. Anyway, I had my personal training certification. I started working at a gym and I really can't have a job. I, I don't know if it's a Greek thing, but we have to open restaurants, but I don't like being told what to do and how to do it. So after about a year, I was pretty unhappy with the whole gym atmosphere. It was really, you know, hardcore sales and I just wanted to serve my clients. So I, uh, yeah, so then I left the gym. Mm-hmm. and took my clients with me and started doing in-home personal training. So I would travel to them and yeah. do it in their homes, which was great until I had my son. And then it was not very convenient to be doing all that driving around. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I got a studio space and I opened a studio. So um, loved it for the longest time. Yeah. And then there was a point where it just stopped really doing it for me. And I'd had some trauma. So I had my son at 26 weeks very, very suddenly. And he was two pounds. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Yeah. So I was basically like, I did Aquafit in the morning. I had lunch with a friend, feeling a little crampy, thought I should get it checked out. I was two centimeters dilated and just being rushed to McMaster Hospital. So it was very sudden, very traumatic. And then I had him four days later in the hospital via C-section. So it was touch and go for a while. Absolutely. And I didn't know anything about PTSD or trauma or I was also postpartum. So that was mm. lots of fun. <laughs> um, you know, and he's fine. Uh, he's perfect. But um, it was really scary. Um, yeah. And so, you know, we brought him home, but my anxiety and issues didn't go away. So mm-hmm. I brought him home and I felt like, well, okay, he's home now. Why am I still suffering? Why am I still struggling? And I was living in like horrible fear of something happening to him. Yeah. So um, then I had always, you know, because I've been in fitness and the personal training side of it, I I think it was always kind of there, but I developed an eating disorder. So I was I was always a chronic dieter. Right. So when you sorry, so when you say chronic dieter, does that mean you were sort of yo-yo dieting? 
No, but I was always hyper aware of what I was eating. Okay. And how much I was eating. And I was, I guess, controlled around right. food. Always. And very conscious of it. You know, okay. so I think, okay, well, I had this meal. So now I have to work out X amount of hours or, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, and then I started training for a fitness competition. Okay. So I was, and I was not doing it in a healthy way. I had a trainer who was very old school. So I was working out about three times a day and eating about 900 calories a day. So, oh my goodness. Yeah. And I was taking various, you know, enhancers and fat burners that it was stupid. I knew better, but I just wanted the results. So um, I looked great looking back. Yeah. (laughs) Pictures, I was, I'm like, how did I ever look like that? Yeah. Um, But I couldn't see it. So I still look in the mirror and cry because I, I felt like it wasn't enough. I wasn't good enough. And um, I got really, really sick. I had a lot of adrenal fatigue because you can't do that to your body for an extended amount of time, right? Yeah, for sure. So then when I started to eat normally, and when I say normally, it's not like real person normally. Right? It's just <laughs> Things are relative, hey? <laughs> right. It's just, you know, not. Like I didn't eat a piece of fruit for six months. I didn't eat a carb. I was boiling my chicken. I was like, it was awful. So started eating, you know, relatively normally again. I, um, you know, obviously you're going to put on weight because your body can't maintain that type of situation, right? Mm. And it just made me spiral. So I was, you know, not only worrying about my son who at this point, because he had been intubated, um, as a baby, he had lung issues. So he had pneumonia constantly. He was sick all the time. Um, I was struggling with this eating stuff and just crying because I hated myself so much. And mm. knowing it was, it, it, it was like people have real problems, you know, like what is wrong with me? But I couldn't get out of that cycle. And I happened to be at a networking event for my personal training business. And I heard a woman talking about NLP and I'd never heard of it before. Mm. And what I loved about what she was saying was that it was content free because I didn't want to go to therapy and talk about my problems over and over again. To me, that didn't seem um, like something I wanted to do. So I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I booked Mm. uh, and I felt drawn to it. You know, there was something I was like, I have to I have to know more about this. Yeah. So I booked a free, you know, consult with her or whatever. And I started Mm. working with her as my coach. And it was so crazy how much better I felt so much so quickly. But I didn't understand what was happening. So how old was your son at this time? Because you're still dealing with that. Had you managed to get your eating sorted out by this stage? Oh, no, it was still going on. Okay. Still like, like, you know, feeling guilty about eating, you know, if I had to go out for dinner, I would cry, because I would really want this one thing that I would feel like I couldn't have, like it was a nightmare. Yeah, right. Okay. And, my and, body, so, and how really old was your my body? How old was your son? Uh, at this point? Oh, maybe five. Oh, okay. Six, right. Yeah, seven. He was older. I mean, this was going on for quite a while. But then it was getting really bad. Because when right. I trained for the show, he was about four. Okay. So um, I was just 
I'd come home from my sessions and my husband would ask what we did and I'd be like, I don't know. Yeah, I can't tell you. <laughs> right? I, what the hell is this? And so uh, my coach, she and her husband were doing um, training for the first level certification in NLP and timeline therapy and mm. asked if I wanted to do it. They were just starting their trainings and they thought, you know, this might be really helpful for your personal training clients, right? Because, yeah. you know, I'm not the only woman who, you know, a man, men more now, but who has these types of problems. So I did the certification and it was amazing. And mm-hmm. I was blown away by how cool it was to know exactly how this stuff works in your brain, right? Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah. And so I just started attracting clients. Like I would just be at my son's basketball game and a woman would come up and just start telling me all about her abuse. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, well, she can help you. So I was running both businesses. So I was doing my personal training clients and I was also seeing coaching clients in my home office and loving the coaching and the yeah. personal training was just felt feeling yucky. And you know, there was, I, just, I felt like there were all these expectations on my body still because of what I did. And when you say you're a personal trainer, people look at you up and down. And it, it was really not conducive to my healing that I needed to do. Yeah. Um, and so then that year, uh, when I first started coaching, I had the opportunity to go to Nevada and do my master level training with Ted James. And I was like, oh, I can't really afford it. Because we were also going to Italy that summer. Right, yeah. <laughs> a bit of a crazy, crazy story. So I just said yes. I knew I had to do it. So I went with my family to Italy for a month, home for three days. And then I flew to Nevada. <laughs> it was crazy. For the training. And I remember, for the training. And I remember checking out of the hotel thinking, please go through. <laughs> please go through. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so... But the training blew my mind. It's very intense. It was a month, almost. And while I was there, I realized this is what I have to do. I have no, really no interest in personal training anymore. I just, I'm always going to love fitness. I work out every day as a non-negotiable in my life. But it just wasn't something that I wanted to do anymore. And I came home and coincidentally, a clinic, a health clinic was opening up down the street from my house and I knew the naturopath who was opening it. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to support her business. And I called her and said, Hey, let's come look at your new place. She was remodeling it. And it was beautiful, this restored old house, 10 minute walk. <laughs> and she asked me if I wanted to join her practitioners. Oh, they cool. have a, a brain person. And, you know, in my conscious mind is saying, you don't have any money. Don't be stupid. And I just said, yes. I knew I had to do it. You had to follow the calling. Yes. I mean, this is crazy. Of course I want to be here. And so, and she actually was very great about, you know, kind of staggering my last month, first and last month payments and things. And uh, yeah, and I started working there. And obviously due to COVID that closed. So now I'm only working remotely. But I really miss it. It was a beautiful place. And I love the other practitioners there. We worked as a team. It was fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. So that's sort of the long and short story. Fantastic. Right. Okay. So let's dig a little bit deeper, if that's okay with you. Of course. Awesome. Okay. So going from 
I guess, what was your motivation to get into the um, the body competition? Because that is something that I know a few people who've done it, and it's such a journey for you, mm-hmm. emotionally, mm-hmm. obviously, physically. Um, yeah. But, yeah, so many people find out, really, really find out about themselves because you have to push yourself to such extremes and such limits. So what was yeah. your motivation to do it? Um, so when I had my studio, there was a male trainer who had an adjoining studio. And so we kind of became sort of friends, I guess. And that was his type of training. He trained people for shows and he, he said, you know, you should try, uh, you know, it kind of helps your business, you know, people follow your journey and that, you know, I could train you. And I was like, you know what, why not? Sure. Um, I'm pretty disciplined. So I just thought, I just wanted to challenge myself. I like to always have new challenges and push myself. And um, I never realized how hard it would be. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, and, and just that judgment around my body, right? Mm. Um, and, you know, he would assess me every week and be like, okay, you need to lose from here. This is too small. This is too big. And it's like you're a piece of meat, kind of, right? And, all my whole focus was on my body Hmm. right and so with my history of kind of being there a little bit anyway I mean I remember being like 10 or 11 and reading my mother's cosmopolitan magazines and you know thinking that I needed to look a certain way and wanting to be on a diet and never feeling like I look good enough. And, you know, so it was always there. And I think a lot of young women struggle with that, especially mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think part of it was me wanting to be that person, mm-hmm. like look that way. Right. Um, and part of it was wanting to challenge myself and see if I could do it, I guess. Mm. At what stage did that push you over the edge, I guess, to then start focusing so, um, well, so deeply into your eating? Was it just the control aspect? Because the the control aspect always goes hand in hand with eating disorders, doesn't it? Yeah, for sure. And I think not good enough. Right. Right. Because you can never, like when you're, doing a bodybuilding type thing, it's really, you're never good enough, right? You're always trying Mm. to reach that next bar. And when I look back at pictures of myself, I can't believe how I looked. Right. But I was unhappy with it. Yeah. And do you think, do you think that's a common thing within body competitions? Oh, I think it's huge. And I think, uh, I think that a lot of women who had struggled with anorexia Mm. go into that because it's sort of healthier right okay um but it's still so strict and controlled and monitored it's a whole right so it's sort of the flip side of the same coin um and I think that eating disorders run rampant in bodybuilding but it is not something anyone wants to talk about because it's very it's very normalized you know um You just bring your little Tupperware container of chicken and broccoli to family dinners where everybody else is eating pasta. 
Mm. And I have this willpower. Look what I'm doing. But also part of you is wanting to eat that other, the lasagna and think, why can't I eat that? You know? And so it's just a messes with your mind in a Mm. huge way. And so when you come out of that, I mean, do you ever come out of the other side of that? Or is an eating disorder just something like that? Do you just keep it at bay or do you actually heal from it? Yeah, it it depends on the person. Um, I've had definitely had clients who were able to completely put it behind them. Um, And I've had some clients who, you know, it's a practice, right? And they know when they're kind of slipping back. Yeah, I need to do a little bit more work, but I would definitely say I still control my eating. Right. Okay. Yeah, sure. You know, I still track my macros. um, So I definitely have more freedom and I try to fit in the fun foods and Mm. not feel guilty about it, Mm. but I still have a control around it for sure. I'm I'm Mm. totally honest with you. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. No, I appreciate it. Because I mean, the thing is, it's funny that you say that about the whole Cosmopolitan magazine thing when you were younger, because I actually interviewed a guest. Um, I think it might have been on, yeah, just a show or just an interview last week. And she's in the fitness world. And it's interesting because she said the 80s, when we were being raised, was so much about you only did exercise in order to be slim or to lose weight. It wasn't anything right. about for fun or because it's good for you or for long-term health, it was all about, it was always attached to your weight. And it was all like, like aerobic, like cardio, 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 you know, burn the calories, you know? And yeah, it's interesting. And I was teaching aerobics in the early Mm nineties. So it was still a similar, you know, type of, of mentality. Um, I mean, I do want to say about me tracking my food now. (laughs) Um, I'm working with a coach because um, around eating because the amount I exercise, I want to make sure I'm eating enough yeah. food for the muscle that I want to build. So, mm-hmm. and I also, I'm 52, you know, and um, I have stage four arthritis in my knees because of all the aerobics probably. Um, yeah. so I need to be strong and I need to, I've had two shoulder surgeries, right? And so um, in the past, I wasn't eating enough because that's what I go to. Um, and so I hired a coach so that we can monitor uh, my nutrition so that I'm actually eating enough. So I'm eating more now than I ever have in my life. Mm. Um, but it is so that I can build muscle and be strong. So that is the mindset I'm working on. Yeah. And how is your... Just a little caveat. There. No, thank you for saying that. I think it's really important. So how has your mindset changed now um, and how much of that do you think is to do with middle age? Because, of course, menopause and middle age throws yet a whole nother thing into the equation because your body's shifting and changing then. Yeah. So how has that then right. jumped into the equation to, to mix things up? Yeah, well, and also my husband is 12 years younger than me, too. So <laughs> times I'm like, you could have a 25-year-old wife. <laughs> You're like, why would I want that? Um, Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, I don't like a lot of the things my body is deciding to do. Right. Okay. (laughs) But I also believe that, you know, you can do a lot of things to combat that, right? As we know, through brain work, 
through physical work. And so um, I'm fighting it every step of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also, I feel like less societal pressure because we're kind of invisible. Yes, <laughs> right? it's so Literally, true. Women are invisible. And, you know, it's so funny. My husband will think, you know, I'll come home from the gym and, you know, he might say something about dudes hitting on me. And I'm like, Dan, men don't talk. Like, I'm invisible to men now. Yeah. I love that you think I'm so attractive to other men. That's great. But, I, you know, I remember being in my early 20s and you get cat calls and men saying stuff and coming up to you at the gym. And that it doesn't happen anymore. So it's quite freeing. Yes. Uh, that And I think being in, to me, uh, you know, being in a committed marriage, I know my husband loves me and is attracted to me no matter what. Mm. And so like he'll say, I'll say, you know, I really want to get back to the musculature I had when I was training for the show. And he'll be like, I don't know. I think he looks the same. So, Oh, interesting. <laughs> <no>. Okay. <laughs> he thinks I look great no matter what. So it, it's different also because I'm not dating. I am not I guess, trying to impress anyone, which we all do, right? When we're, you know, starting to date or whatever. And so I think there's a comfort level in my relationship, but also more within myself. Yeah. Whereas, you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and I think, well, I'm 52. Like, this is as good as it's going to get. So I just want to work on not being in pain. (laughs) So Yeah, it's it's a a different focus, isn't it, entirely? A different focus, you know, and I work with an athletic therapist because I've had my both my rotator cuffs done. And, you know, and even with my surgeon, he said, well, what are your goals after the surgery? And I said, I want to be able to do push-ups again. Yeah. Right. And he said, okay, well, that's very different because a lot of my my patients, they just want to be able to get a dish out of the cupboard. I'm like, no, no, that's not good enough. Yeah, yeah. I'm so, well, <laughs> right? certainly with the background that you've come from, absolutely. And I'm finding that I'm enjoying the process now of working out more than the results. Like, of course the results, but you know, I love, especially because I had to work out at home for so long yeah. with people around me making me insane that I love that, that state of going to the gym. It's my time. And now that I'm eating so much more and really seeing how much more I can do, really, it's quite really shifting my, my brain. You know, I'm like, no, I, I keep, thinking and saying to my coach, no wonder I had so much trouble putting on muscle before. Yeah. You know, now if I'm eating 2,500 calories a day, as opposed to a thousand. Wow. Like I can do so much more in the gym, but also, you know, in life. Right. And so I find that my mindset's really starting to shift around food as fuel for what I want to do. Very, very interesting. It's funny how so many, and I don't know if it's any more than men than women, how food and deprivation have such a close connection. And I mean, my husband laughs about it because he's a great cook and he really enjoys food. And, um, but he also goes up and down with weight and, and, Mm -hmm. and his, yeah, whole association with food. Whereas because I'm not a great I mean, I'm an okay cook. Obviously, we're all still alive, so it's not that bad. But <laughs> I really have this view that food is fuel. And I can en- I can enjoy food, mm. 
but it's few. Absolutely. And sometimes right. I just know, I'm like, I know I've got a busy ahead, a day ahead of me. I've got to get some calories on board right now. Right. So it's, it's a yeah. different mentality. So what, what shifted for you, for you then to come to that realization so that food doesn't have control on you, but food then allows you to do what you need to do with the rest of your day and the rest of your life? I really think it, I really think it was quite recent. Oh, yeah you know, working with this new coach, because for the past while, um, I just wasn't feeling great. And I was having, you know, physical issues like my knees and, um, you know, shoulder stuff. And I just wasn't able to lift as much as I wanted the gym. I was tired all the time. And um, when I started working with this coach and, you know, she was looking at what I'm eating, she said, you know, that you're eating enough to stay alive, like enough for your body systems to work. Seriously. <laughs> and I wasn't, I wasn't doing it on purpose. I just, that's how I ate. You know, I wasn't trying to deprive myself necessarily, maybe unconsciously I was, but really I was just like, this is just how I eat. I have, you know, I don't eat very much and I try to be careful and eat clean yeah. and all that. And she's like, you know, this is not enough. <laughs> and so she very slowly started to reverse me out of that calorie wise. Um, so that I went from eating, you know, like 1100 calories a day to like 2200, 2500. And my weight stayed almost the same. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. <laughs> so I was just eating up those calories. Like, like, my body was just like, whoa. So and I was starting to see muscle growth for the first time in a long time, you know, and just feeling better because you know, I work with an athletic therapist on my knees and stuff. And she's like, you know, they always say motion is lotion. You know, you have to right. yeah. <laughs> keep that strength going on. And I need to be able to be doing squats and all the things I want to do to keep my joints strong and all yeah. that kind of thing. And I wasn't able to, I was too tired. So I think it's a very recent shift. And it's, you know, I'm now I'm saying like, duh, who doesn't know that? But Women always think they need to eat less. Yeah, which is bizarre. And it's not true. It's not true. And my coach was saying, you know, say you're on a diet like Weight Watchers or something and you're eating 1,200 calories a day. Well, your body adjusts. Yes, that. absolutely. Yeah. Right? So then you stop losing, but you can't go lower. Yeah. You'll die. Right? So there's no movement. There's no, there's no where to play. Right? right? So say I wanted to go into like the, she, I could do a fat loss cycle for a very short amount of time. Well, I wouldn't have to deprive myself very much to make those shifts because I'm eating so many calories. Hmm. Right. And it's just a completely different way. like almost like a mathematical way yeah. sort of, of, of looking at it. And I don't know, it, just, it works for my brain. It wouldn't work. For, you know, it's not for everyone, but I'm really enjoying feeling like, you know, oh my gosh, I had two bagels today. Mm. <laughs> I would never let myself have a bagel. I was going to say, I don't think I've had a bagel in six years. Oh my goodness. It may be more. So are you stronger? Are <laughs> so, you stronger now than you've ever been? Yes. I'm very, yes. I would say for sure. Isn't that so cool yeah. though, that we're literally, you grow into your oh. strength. Yeah. Like I can do a push up now. Um, now I've had shoulder issues, right? So, and you have to wait for surgery and things like that. So I was very limited 
I had my second shoulder surgery last February. So, um, but I'm back to doing push-ups on my toes again, which is huge for me and, you know, things like that. So, yeah. So food is fuel. Oh, who would have thought? Fantastic. <laughs> so obviously we've talked quite a bit about the, the you know, weight journey and food journey and doing the, the body competition. What... Um, and obviously how your healing really helped you to work through that. How much did it play a part in healing the trauma after your son was born so young? Yeah. And you know what? Sometimes when I'm doing my work with my coach, sometimes it still pops up. So interestingly, Um, because what happened was I developed a lot of beliefs around being a mom, right? About, I can't, again, not good enough, right? And so, um, you know, like I talk to my clients a lot about your conscious mind knows things are stupid. It doesn't matter because your unconscious mind is driving the bus. So when I had my son that early, I had all these really deep, deep beliefs around I couldn't protect him. I couldn't keep him safe. It was my fault. Maybe I don't deserve to be a mom. I'm a bad mom, all that crap, right? So that was belief that came from that Mm. trauma, I think, um, right, as well. And that idea that anything. Yeah, absolutely. You know, right, you have this life where it's all kind of the same and, you know, up and down and pretty level. And then this thing happens and it makes you realize, holy shit, anything can happen at any time, right? And that really threw me off as well. And so I was able to, through timeline therapy work and NLP, um, really help heal those beliefs. So that like I, you know, five, six years after my son's birth, I couldn't talk about it without. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Right? It sits deep that's, in the tissue, you know, doesn't it? And he's fine. Yeah. Um, and that's not appropriate. Right? <laughs> I told my clients, right? That's an inappropriate response. So I have done a lot of work around yeah. that. Um, but you know, what's interesting is, uh, my son was recently diagnosed with ADHD and learning disorders and anxiety, and he's doing fantastic. But you know, at the assessment, they give you this giant like book of all the things that are wrong with your kid and it, everything came back. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And I spiraled, I was having anxiety and Again, feeling like I should have caught it earlier. He's going to have a really hard life, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Um, so I had to work through that again, which is very interesting. And so, how, how recently um, was that, actually? Last spring, okay. a year ago, last April. That's really interesting that you say that because, I mean, anyone who listens to the show regularly will know that I'm always referring to my uh, astrological uh, podcast that I listen to because it kept me sane through covid but what was so interesting, and the reason I asked the question I just did, is because there was definitely an energy that kept coming up with astrology saying what you think that you've been working on and what you think you've healed and what you think you're through is going to rear up again. And this was, uh, yeah, through the course of last year. And so it was like the stuff that you've really worked on and you think you've healed, it's going to come up at a completely different level. And you're going to have to work through it again. Uh-huh. And you'll be rolling your eyes going, but I've done this. 
And I was exactly the same stuff that I've been working on for years. And I really thought I'd got the better of. And I really thought I'd, you know, put it behind me and got tons of wisdom from, which I had. And then it reared up its head again. And I was like, oh, for goodness sake, we're not going here again. So it was apparently exactly what we were meant to be doing. That is so interesting. Yeah, that's exactly what happened. And, you know, my son is in high school and he's doing fantastic. So he's fine. And I knew he would be fine. He's a great kid. It was my stuff. Yeah, obviously. Um, And, you know, and I know how to help him with his anxiety. He works with my coach as well when he needs it. And he's, he's, you know, the process is very fast. And so it's funny. He'll hop on Zoom with my, she's also a good friend. And then he'll come out of my office in 10 minutes. And I'm like, you're done? He's like, yeah, it's gone. They're fast processes (laughs) though, aren't they? So fast. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So that brings us very nicely because obviously I'm conscious of time. I always try and keep these to a 20-minute journey out, 20-minute journey back, which means that you can listen to a whole episode. So, so that we can keep within that timeline. I am, I mean, we've done some work together and I've experienced working with your techniques and you've experienced working with mine, which is which yeah. as a practitioner is fantastic because it just expands your awareness and your appreciation. Love so it. can you talk a little bit about the technique that you took me through? Because it's amazing. And although I've done, although I'm trained also in NLP and timeline and hypnosis, it wasn't a technique that I'd ever come across before. So it was fascinating for me. So can you just talk a little bit about that? Sure. It's sort of weird and magical. I don't know how much I even still understand <laughs> about it. So. It's called the Simpson Protocol, and it was created by Inez Simpson. So you can look that up if you're interested in finding out more. But basically, the idea is that the your superconscious mind, which is like that connection to spirit or God or you know the universal consciousness, knows everything about you that it needs to know, and it knows exactly how to heal you. And you are dropped into a very deep hypnosis, and it is the Elman hypnosis that we mm. use for that. And, and you're so deep that your conscious mind is completely out of the equation, because as you know, sometimes clients' conscious minds get yeah. in the way, right? And don't want to release stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and so um, basically, the client is in a deep trance, you're rarely using your voice, and you're just answering questions with a yes or a no finger as to not interrupt that trance-like state. So a lot of clients don't even really remember when they come back um, because your superconscious is answering three. So you will ask it to release something and the superconscious will just do it. That's amazing. (laughs) We don't have to know why or where it's coming from or anything like that. I don't even have to know your problem. Like I didn't know what you were working on. Um, I don't know that I actually knew particularly what I was working on, but I know I felt different afterwards. So it was working on something very deep. Yeah. Um, It works great for my clients who have a behavior that they want to get rid of, like binge eating. Um, We'll get to a certain point in our work and they're almost there, right? Yeah. Um, Because, you know, these habits have such a chaos. And so often we'll do several sessions of the Simpson protocol. Mm -hmm to heal whatever their conscious mind doesn't want them to heal. Huh. Sneaky. And it works eh? extremely well. <laughs> Very 
I always say it's the lazy person's way to heal. Just lie there. Yeah, which <laughs> is pretty, which is hilarious because it's such a stark contrast to the work that I do. Yeah. Because mine is so energetic from my perspective. I mean, my client can sit and just relax through it and I will guide them through it. But I'm working pretty hard to, you know, to mm-hmm. shift the energy and all the rest of it. So it was so funny when I worked with you and I just lay back and I just, you know, and I had my fingers doing the movements and yeah, you knew exactly where to go with that. And for me, it was just, it was a fascinating experience. It's really, really cool. And I can even tell as people go deeper through the process, I can tell through how they're moving their finger that it's their super conscious. It's like so cool. more twitchy. Yeah. movement sort of where in the beginning it's very pronounced people want to be right and they want to make sure I see their finger and then after a while it gets more twitchy and sometimes I have to ask a couple times uh for them to you know show me the the right finger because I'm it's so subtle I'm not quite sure right so yeah it's yeah it's cool. an amazing process my clients love it you know yeah. some of them will come on and they'll say can we do the finger one <laughs> Well, when you yeah. told me about it and then we said, OK, well, let's, you know, let's do a sort of exchange ex- uh, session for each other mm-hmm. so we can experience each other's work. And I was definitely like, can we do the finger one? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you told me about it and it seemed amazing. And it, yeah, it was it was great. It was it was fun. It was easy. It was relaxing. And I absolutely felt the benefit afterwards. So it was very cool. But good. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. very cool. I love it. Very cool. So based on that and how fun it was, um, how can people find you, Alini? Sure. So my my website is www.breakthroughwithalaini.com. You can also find me on social media. I'm at Breakthrough with, with the T-H-R-U, Alaini, um, on Instagram, on Facebook, and that's it I think cool and then you also have a podcast don't you I have a podcast called the no bullshit breakthrough (laughs) that you're going to be on yay see exchanges we love them collaboration (laughs) love the power of collaboration yeah yeah you can find it on Spotify Google Play or Apple Music fantastic okay so I will um, put obviously all the links with the show notes so that people can find those too and on that note, I just want to say a huge thank you. It's been so lovely to talk to you. And I've loved hearing your story. Yeah. And I've, as I say, I'm also super grateful for experiencing the work you do. Thank you. Well, same to you. You're welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. You're so welcome. It was so fun. Thanks. What did you think of the show today? If you've enjoyed it, please leave a review on whatever podcast platform that you're listening on. Also, you can come and join us at the Facebook group for The Magical Midlife. And on Instagram, if you're on Instagram, I'm under Lindsay DeSwart, where you will find the podcast being released there every Wednesday. I really look forward to seeing you there and hearing your comments and any questions. And please come over to the Instagram account or to the Facebook group where you will find downloads and free gifts to help you lead your most magical midlife. See you there.